0: Hey everybody, it's Jake Heller back again for another episode of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Happy Friday. Hope everybody is having an awesome day. Lots to cover on today's show. Recapping the doubleheader weekend at Dover International Speedway. And a preview of tomorrow night, the regular season finale at Daytona International Speedway. How crazy is that? That is going to be a barn burner for sure. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate all of the support on the Jake's Take podcast page. I really, really do. So, on last Friday's show, I said, watch this be the year that Denny Hamlin will finally get a Cup Series win at Dover International Speedway. And sure enough, he did. I just picked the wrong race. (laughs) I picked Chase Elliott for the Saturday race, and I felt like Denny Hamlin, I felt like that first Dover win was going to come on Saturday, or Sunday, excuse me. So, sure enough, this past Saturday at Dover International Speedway, just like he did at Homestead Miami Speedway back in June, Denny Hamlin won all three stages, and for the first time in his career, a Cup Series win at Dover International Speedway. He tied Kevin Harvick for the most wins on the year with six, and it was the 43rd win of Denny Hamlin's career, and pretty... Incredible battle that he had towards the end with his teammate Martin Trex Jr., one of his home tracks. (laughs) It looked like Martin, it looked like he was well on his way to a fourth Dover win, and he had so much trouble getting by the lap car of Eric Almirola, and Denny did a hell of a job working in that top groove, gaining all the speed and momentum that he could on Martin, and sure enough, he passed him with less than 10 laps to go for the win. Martin Trex Jr. was second, their teammate Kyle Busch third, Kevin Harvick, fourth, after having to overcome some issues on pit road with the track bar and some loose lug nuts. Chase Elliott, who was my pick for Saturday, he rounded out the top five. Awesome day for Clint Boyer in sixth. Jimmy Johnson, seventh. Joey Logano, eighth. Brad Keselowski, ninth. And Ricky Stenhouse, junior, tenth. That was your top ten on Saturday. Very early in the race, about eight laps in, Eric Jones got into the back of Kurt Busch coming off a turn two, and Kurt spun and hit the inside wall really hard Ended up finishing last. Eric got damaged from it. Alex Bowman got damaged from it. So so sure enough, Bowman and Kurt Busch, they had to go to backup cars for Sunday. And I think the other thing was the struggles of William Byron on Saturday at Dover and how him and Chad Knaus how they had a little bit of a brief exchange on the radio. And, you know, Chad, as we've seen all those years with Jimmy Johnson, you know, he let a few F-words slip and he, he said, he said, I'm trying, he's like, I'm trying to effing help you. And after the race was over, William Byron finishing 29th, Jimmy Johnson finishing 7th, sure enough, at that moment, if the playoffs were to start, William Byron would have been out of the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson would have been in by three points. So sure enough, it was a quick turnaround, the Sunday race at Dover International Speedway. And to no surprise the way that this year has gone, Kevin Harvick, his series-leading Seventh win of two thousand and twenty, just like Denny Hamlin the day before, and just like Kevin had done on Mich- at Michigan during the Saturday race, he won all three stages, even after having to start seventeenth on the field, he led two hundred and twenty three of three hundred and eleven laps on Sunday, pure domination once again by him, Rodney Childers and the four team, that beautiful, beautiful black and silver mobile one car finally gets a win on the air, you know got. You guys know how much I love that paint scheme. (laughs) My two favorite colors. And with the win, Kevin Harvick clinched the regular season championship for 2020 and the 15 playoff points that come along with it. And also, it was the 56th win of his NASCAR Cup Series career, tying him with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. Think about that for a second. Going into the year, Kyle Busch was seven victories up. Kevin Harvick 56 to 49 and like I said with him going winless the entire weekend at Dover International Speedway 25 races into the 2020 season this is the deepest Kyle Busch has ever gone into a season winless in his NASCAR Cup Series career how the mighty have fallen I know it's the the excuse no practice no qualifying but still I never, ever would have imagined at the beginning of the year when I said Kyle Busch is my pick for the 2020 championship, him, Adam Stevens, and the 18 team, this is the next dynasty in the making. I never imagined 25 races in that they would be winless and only have one playoff point to their name. Sure enough, that was winning stage one at Kansas back in July. Incredible. So Kevin Harvick, he won on Sunday. Martin Trex Jr. was second. That's seven consecutive top three finishes for him. James Small in the 19 team. Jimmy Johnson, his final race at his best racetrack, overcoming a speeding penalty to finish third. A trio of Hendrick drivers, William Byron, fourth. Believe it or not, his first top five finish of the season. Alex Bowman and a backup car. He rounded out the top five, his first top five since Darlington all the way back in May. Joey Logano was sixth. Eric Amarola, seventh. Brad Keselowski, 8th, Austin Dillon, ninth, just his second race back after missing the Daytona road course because of COVID, and Ricky Cole Custer rounded out the top 10. Now, like I said, I picked Chase Elliott on Saturday, very early in the race, about six laps in, coming off a turn four and on the front straightaway, Joey Logano, he spun Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ricky ended up spitting and hitting the inside wall, and Kyle Busch, he slowed down to miss all the action. And when he slowed down, Chase Elliott rammed right into the back of him and pretty much knocked the radiator out, killed the whole front end of the car, and Alan Gustafson was like, all right, let's go to the garage. We're done. Just like that. So that's two years in a row. This was supposed to be the fall race. It was the fall race before at Dover. That's two years in a row at Dover, the second race of the year for the Cup Series, where Chase Elliott hasn't even completed 10 laps. (laughs) That's insane. That's insane absolutely insane and sure enough you know Ricky Stenhouse Jr like I said the awesome run that he had on Saturday finishing 10th sure enough he came over the radio and he said I'll meet Joey at his motorhome afterwards and so once again Joey Logano making headlines for all the wrong reasons I mean think of it that how many run-ins has he had this year Brad Keselowski his own teammate in the Clash, and then the Daytona 500, Chase Elliott at Bristol and Homestead Miami Speedway, this whole situation with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at Dover, you know, it's like I said, Joey is definitely one of the most talented drivers there is, but at times he's very reckless and he's very aggressive too. I mean, dumping Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on the front straightaway at Dover, six laps into the race, definitely a lack of, lack of common sense there for sure, in my opinion. So, sure enough, tomorrow night is going to be a very, very big night for the NASCAR Cup Series from top to bottom. For the first time since the playoff era started in 2004, for the first time ever, the regular season finale is going to be at Daytona International Speedway. And while that'll make for great racing and exciting racing, it's going to make for a lot of carnage as well. You know, like, you look back on it, when the whole chase era began the playoff format and everything back in 2004, the regular season finale, it was usually at Richmond like the weekend after Labor Day. And, you know, it was exciting those first few years, you know, when it was only 10 drivers or 12 drivers, but honestly, the last, I would say the last few years at at Richmond, the, the racing had just gotten incredibly dull, incredibly dull. And the last two years, 2018 and 2019, the regular season finale was at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But the thing is, the attendance and the ratings for it were awful. I mean, 2018, the race had to be run on a Monday. It didn't even look like there was 100 people there. So that's the thing. You know, your regular season finale, it's on a Monday. Just about everybody is at work, you know. And then last year, the regular season finale at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it was able to be run on a Sunday, but that same Sunday was opening day in the NFL. And we know how powerful and how popular the NFL is, no matter what is going on right now. I mean, just to put it in perspective, back in 2013, the very first chase race for the playoffs at Chicagoland Speedway, the race started, I think it was like about 2 o'clock on ESPN. They got several laps in, and then it started pouring. And it poured for like a majority of the afternoon. Thankfully, as we all know, Chicagoland Speedway, they have lights. But nevertheless, at the same time, once it finally got back going, it was 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Most people were pretty much in bed at that point or probably just watching football, you know. And that same night on Sunday Night Football on NBC with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, it was the Seattle Seahawks hosting the San Francisco 49ers. As we all know, how great of a rivalry that has been over the past decade or so but my point is early on in the Seahawks 49ers game the game had to be stopped because of lightning and the game was delayed for an hour and it didn't finish until close to midnight on the east coast I think it was actually even past midnight when it finished and just that one hour lightning delay for Sunday night football on NBC just one hour of coverage for a lightning delay It got higher ratings than 60 minutes and the NASCAR Cup Series playoff race at Chicagoland Speedway. That's mind-boggling in itself. I know that's why Brad Keselowski has said for several years now that he wishes that NASCAR could just condense the schedule even more and have the season end, like say Labor Day weekend, Darlington, South Carolina. So you're not going up against the NFL and getting killed in the ratings department for the last 10 11 weeks of the season. Because I mean that's the thing like we're going to have several we're going to have several Sunday races during the playoffs. September 27th, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Sure sure enough it's a Sunday night race, but sure enough Sunday night football that is the game anymore. Sunday Night Football on NBC, ever since it started in 2006, it has taken the place of what used to be Monday Night Football. When Monday Night Football was on ABC from 1970 to 2005, that was the game. That was the game of the week that everyone was so excited to see. And when... ABC, when they shifted the Monday night coverage to ESPN and NBC, once they got back into the fold and they started doing Sunday night football ever since then, like I said, Sunday night football, that is the marquee matchup of the weekend in the NFL. But like I said, you have that. October 4th, you have Talladega Super Speedway. And I know it's going to be on NBC and I know it's one of the best races of the year, but still, it's NFL season. October 11th, the Charlotte Roval. October 18th, Kansas. October 25th texas motor speedway november 1st martinsville the cutoff race the ultimate cutoff race and then the championship race november 8th at phoenix that same day arguably the two most popular teams in the nfl at the same time are going to be playing the 425 game on cbs with tony romo and jim nance the pittsburgh steelers and the dallas cowboys you know that is going to be a ratings bonanza Like I said, in my opinion, the two most popular teams in the NFL, Steelers and Cowboys, 425 on CBS November 8th at the same time while NASCAR's championship race is going on on NBC. So speaking of NBC, sure enough, tomorrow night, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway, 7 o'clock on NBC, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, and Rick Allen with the call. For the second race in a row, the defending winner of last year's race will not be in this race. As we all know, Kyle Larson, he is still suspended by NASCAR. He won the October race at Dover last year. Obviously, he hasn't been reinstated yet. Wasn't able to defend his title. And Justin Haley, the incredible, incredible upset that you could say, winning the July race at Daytona last year when the lightning came and when Kurt Busch pitted, in the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet, a heavily underfunded car that started 34th on the field that day. Sure enough, you know, Justin, he will be in tonight's Xfinity race at Daytona. I mean, that's that's his regular day job. But he will not be in tomorrow night's cup race to try and defend his title from a year ago. Now, Colleague Racing, the team that he drives for in the Xfinity series at the beginning of the year, they did run the Daytona 500. They did a good job dodging most of the carnage and finishing 13th and colleagues said this was obviously before before covid shut everything down that they were going to run all of the restrictor plate races in the cup series this year so obviously it would have been talladega in april it would have been the august race at daytona and the october race at talladega but i guess obviously like i said with covid and the way that things are financially for a lot of these race teams sure enough justin haley will not be in tomorrow night's cup race so the way that the NASCAR Cup Series playoff s- playoffs work is you have 16 drivers, 16 drivers for 10 races. This was the, the knockout format that was introduced back in 2014. So 10 races and the first round, the round of 16, you have the Southern 500 at Darlington and then Saturday night races at Richmond and Bristol. After Bristol... The drivers that are 13th through 16th in points, unless they win one of those races, they are eliminated. Then we go to the round of 12. We go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Talladega Super Speedway, and the Charlotte Roval. Boy, what, what crazier place to have a cutoff race at. Like I said, same situation. The drivers that are 9th through 12th in points, unless you win one of those races, you're done. Then we go to the round of eight. October 18th, Kansas Speedway. October 25th, Texas Motor Speedway. And then sure enough, November 1st, the cutoff race at Martinsville Speedway. Fifth through eighth in points. They're eliminated unless it's a situation like Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick, the Phoenix race in 2014, which was the cutoff race. Kevin was eighth in points going into that race because he got wrecked at Martinsville two weeks prior to that and even finishing second at Texas Motor Speedway the week before Kevin, Rodney, and the four team, they knew they had to win Phoenix. That was the only way that they were going to make it to Miami and be a part of the championship for it. And sure enough, they made it and they won surprisingly what has been their only championship together so far. So obviously, November 8th, the championship four race at Phoenix Raceway on NBC and all four drivers. They are reset to 5,000 points apiece. You, Regardless of wherever you finish in the first two stages, you're not granted any stage points whatsoever. So basically, at Phoenix, whoever finishes the highest of those four championship-eligible drivers, that is your champion. And as I've been saying before, as of right now, my championship four, without a doubt, it's Kevin Harvick. I still feel like, even though Denny Hamlin is having one of the most amazing seasons of his career... I still feel like Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers, and the four-team, those are the guys to beat for this championship. And that's still my pick to win the championship. And how crazy would that be 10 years after finishing second in the championship if Denny Hamlin were to finish second in the championship again? Brad Keselowski, as of right now, I still feel like him, Jeremy Bollins, and the two crew. I know they've had a few tough weeks, whether it was the wreck at Michigan, the Daytona road course, eking out a few top tens at Dover. Nevertheless, I feel like the two crew... I would say that I could see them being championship four material and possibly finishing third in the championship. But like I said, they led 82 laps at Phoenix back in March. They won the second stage, even with a car that was beating all the hell. And they could have won that race if Jeremy didn't screw up on the pit strategy. Now I said like Chase Elliott, Alan Gustafson, and the nine team, that was the fourth of my championship four picks. But like I said, aside from winning the Daytona road course, they have definitely stubbed their toes a lot lately. And the one guy that has caught fire, even with a new crew chief, over the past month or so, it's Martin Turex Jr., James Small, and the 19 team. So as of right now, that's my championship for Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Turex Jr. Now, for the 16 playoff spots, these drivers have already clinched a spot in the playoffs. To no surprise, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin... Brad Keselowski, Martin Trex Jr., Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Eric Almarola, Kyle and Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, and Cole Custer. So that's 13 spots that have already been clinched. There are still three, that, three more that are on the line. Clinton Boyer, he is 14th in points. But if he finishes eighth in the first stage on Saturday night, collecting those three points, he will clinch a spot in the playoffs. The last two spots, Matt Benedetto in 15th. He has a nine-point cushion over Jimmy Johnson in 17th, the first driver out. And sure enough, Jimmy's teammate, William Byron, who ironically is now with the crew chief. He had all of his success with Chad Knaus, William Byron has a four-point lead over Jimmy Johnson. And as we all know, this is Jimmy Johnson's final season. Will old seven time make the playoffs one last time after missing out on it for the first time ever in his career last year? You never know, especially at Daytona. As we all know with Daytona, the big one, it's not a matter of if, it's only when. It could be the first stage, second stage, third stage, hell, maybe all three of them in overtime like Dale Kivler said on our Daytona 500 show back back in February. Daytona, it's not a matter of if, it's only when. And Clint Boyer, Clint has always been the kind of guy that likes to ride at the back at these restrictor plate races, but I'm sure early on, I'm sure he's going to be up front. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to try and get all of those stage points that he can in that first stage so he can clinch his playoff spot and not have to worry about it the rest of the night. Now, Jimmy Johnson's crew chief, Cliff Daniels, Cliff said on a Zoom call with Larry McReynolds earlier in the week, he said, yeah, we know that we're having to go up against one of our own teammates for that last playoff spot, but we still plan to work together and help each other out. Obviously their goal is to make sure that both of them get in and to make sure that, you know, Matt Benedetto and that 21 Wood Brothers car that he gets knocked out. But of course, as we all know, with this format, win and you're in. It's as simple as that, win and you're in. You know, Matt DiBenedetto, William Byron, Jimmy Johnson, you know, the three of them, they could finish in the top five or top 10 tomorrow night. But if someone completely out of the box, like Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who we're going to talk about here in just a little set in a second, sure enough, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. or someone random, they get knocked out just like that. So you definitely have to be on your toes at all moments. You have to be up front and race as hard as you can and try and stay out of trouble because we all know the big one is going to happen at some point or another. Now, the drivers that aren't in, that obviously can clinch with a win like i said obviously matt de benedetto william byron jimmy johnson but aside from that eric jones eric jones who won this race two years ago who has made it known he is not going to be back in the 20 car at joe gibbs racing in 2021 eric is 50 points behind that last playoff spot so he definitely needs to win rookie tyler reddick another rookie christopher bell chris busher who finished third in the daytona 500 back in february bubba wallace And of course, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., undoubtedly one of the best restrictor plate drivers in the garage area. Two wins in his career, sure enough, both in 2017, the first one at Talladega in May and the other one, 4th of July weekend at Daytona. Ricky is always aggressive. He is always up front. He is always in position to either win a stage or the race itself. He finished second to Ryan Blaney at Talladega back in June by just a couple of inches, so If there is someone that could definitely shake up the playoff field come tomorrow night, it's definitely Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Michael McDowell, we all know how underrated Michael is at Daytona and Talladega. Plenty of top fives and top tens. And of course, what would undoubtedly be the feel-good story of 2020, Ryan Newman. We all remember that horrible wreck coming off a turn four to the checkered flag in the Daytona 500 when Ryan Newman hit driver's side and then got hit by Corey LaJoy and went up in the air and when that car came to rest and just seeing the, you know, the emergency workers and just the serious tone in Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy's voices and how it eerily, eerily brought back all of those horrible memories from February 18th, 2001. And thankfully, when Steve Phelps, when he gave, or Steve O'Donnell, excuse me, when he gave that press conference about ten fifteen or so, and he said that, you know, Ryan Newman was in, you know, critical condition, but nothing life-threatening. And then sure enough, two days later, he is walking out of the hospital with his two daughters. Talk about miracles. John Hunter Nemechek, who had a shot to win Talladega back in June, Ty Dillon, you know, I'm not trying to knock Ty Dillon or anything, but let's face it, Daytona is really the only track he's good at. Five, five top 10 finishes in his NASCAR Cup Series career, and sure enough, three of them are at Daytona. And sure enough, his only top five was fourth in the July race last year at Daytona. Matt Kenseth, two-time Daytona 500 champion, Corey LaJoy, he always has a good shot. Two run in the top 10 at Daytona and Talladega with underfunded equipment, and Ryan Priest. We all know about the horrible season that he has had, how he's probably going to go back down to the Xfinity Series. But sure enough, Ryan Priest, as a rookie in the Daytona 500 last year, he finished eighth. And in the Daytona 500 this year, he was running second with two laps to go when Ross Chastain, when he made that bonsai move and took out himself, Ryan Priest, Joey Logano, and a bunch of cars. I think that pretty much just set the tone for the kind of season that Ryan Priest would have. So like I said, tomorrow night, it is going to be absolute chaos chaos from start to finish you know you're gonna have guys that that are gonna race up front you got guys like obviously like Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Logano, Blaney, Truex they've got nothing to lose you know try and win another race try and add some more playoff points see how far that could carry you into the playoffs but like I said you have some guys like I said Matt DiBenedetto, Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, you know, like I said, some of the guys that I had just mentioned that are outside the playoffs, win and you're in. It's that simple. And Daniel Suarez, even with missing the Daytona 500, we all know if you win a race to qualify for the playoffs, you have to attempt every race. You have to be at least be in the top 30 in points. Now, Daniel, he is just slightly outside of the top 30 in points. But obviously, you know, stage points, good finish. Seeing whatever could happen and being there at the end, that would be absolutely crazy if him, that 96 team, if they were able to sneak into the playoffs, you, you never never know. like Kyle Bush says it's still 2020. And how crazy is that to think that tomorrow night, tomorrow night that either Kyle Bush or Kurt Bush, one of the Bush brothers, if not both, that at the end of the regular season that both of them could end up being winless. Now, I mean, with Kurt, you know, Kurt's had a few winless seasons here and there, but obviously with Kyle being the defending champion and how high of a standard that everybody holds him and the 18 team to, like I said, this has just been an absolutely crazy year for sure. And it's so crazy to think that, you know, we've had two traditions in NASCAR for such a long time. The Daytona 500 ever since 1982, that has been the race to start, nascar season you know it's always fun right around valentine's day the day before president's day having the daytona 500 on tv you wait months and months and months for it you know you and your friends and your family you know you have a big get-together for it you know just just a week or you know just a week after the super bowl itself from one super bowl to another We all know how they call the Daytona 500 the Super Bowl of NASCAR racing just at the beginning of the year, not the end. But the other tradition for a long time ever since Daytona International Speedway, ever since it opened in 1959, you have the Daytona 500, but the other tradition was always, always racing at Daytona, not just on 4th of July weekend, but for the longest time they would race at Daytona on the 4th of July regardless of what day it would fall on from 1959 to 1987 it didn't matter it didn't matter if the 4th of july was on a saturday like it was this year if it was on a monday a tuesday wednesday thursday whenever whatever day the 4th of july would land on they would have the firecracker 400 that's right the firecracker 400 at 10 o'clock in the morning you know dale earnhardt jr would always say like that was that was one of the coolest trips ever for him every summer going down to Daytona for the Firecracker 400, watching his dad race at 10 o'clock in the morning, and then by early afternoon, you're, you're out on the beach just like that. And of course, that was the other good thing too, starting the race at 10 o'clock in the morning, because we all know Daytona in the summertime, how you can get those pop-up showers here and there. So it's definitely going to feel weird, you know, racing at Daytona at the end of August. So real quick, your top 10, Starting lineup for tomorrow night's Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. Obviously, with winning Sunday's race in dominant fashion, Kevin Harvick, he is on the pole. Once again, that beautiful black and silver Mobile One car. (laughs) Martin Trex Jr., he will start second. But we all know with Martin, it seems like every single race at Daytona, he always seems to get caught up in the big one. Joey Logano, he will start third. His teammate, Brad Keselowski, fourth. How ironic after all of the issues they had with each other at Daytona back in February. And rounding out the top five, Eric Almarola, This is a home game for him. William Byron will start sixth. And William's best finish in the NASCAR Cup Series, one of them, was second at Daytona July of last year. Teammate Jimmy Johnson. He will start seventh. And their teammate, Alex Bowman, will start eighth. Ryan Blaney, ninth, and the guy that edged him by, that just barely edged him out by inches to win the Daytona 500 back in February, Denny Hamlin, he will start 10th. Denny had a good car on Sunday at Dover, but him and Chris Gabehart, they had that issue with the loose wheel, had to come in, and they ended up finishing 19th on Sunday. And speaking of Jimmy Johnson, one last thing is, we still have no idea who will take over the number 48 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet come 2021. As we all know, Brad Keselowski, he signed a contract extension with team Penske back on August 3rd. And yesterday, Noah Gregson, Noah Gregson, who a lot of people and myself included at the beginning of the year, Before everything happened with Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, I thought for sure that Noah Gregson was going to be the guy that was going to take over the 48 car at Hendrick Motorsports in 2021. But yesterday, Noah, he signed a contract extension with Junior Motorsports, and sure enough, he will be back in that number nine Chevrolet for 2021. At this point, I I will be completely shocked if it is anyone but Eric Jones in that 48 car come 2021. Now, Corey LaJoy, he has his own podcast, and he had a very interesting thing to say this past week, that he feels like, you know, if Kyle Larson gets reinstated, he thinks that Kyle Larson could be the one that'll take over the 48 car in 2021. I just don't see that happening. I just don't. And it's, it's just based on the fact that Chevrolet, when Kyle Larson, when he slipped up on Easter and he said the N-word... During that iRace, every sponsor dropped him. McDonald's, Credit One Bank, Clover, and Chevrolet. Chevrolet said, like, we are cutting all of our ties with Kyle Larson. And so that made you think, like Dale Kivler has talked about, that made you think that, you know, well, he's definitely going to be in the 14 car for Stuart Haas Racing in 2021. You know, they got the sponsorship from, from Gene Haas. Tony Stewart, you know, he's been one to give drivers a second chance like he did for Kurt Busch back in 2014 but that's the thing you know um Brett Griffin who's Clint Boyer's spotter spotter of the 14 car Brett Griffin said on Door Bumper Clear this past week that he doesn't think that Kyle Larson will be in the 14 car come 2021 I mean anything's possible but like I said it's going to be interesting to see who will be in those seats who's going to take over the 42 You know, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, there was that rumor for about a week now about Denny Hamlin buying an ownership stake at Richard Petty Motorsports along with Michael Jordan and that they were going to expand to a two-car team. Denny and Bubba Wallace, but sure enough, it sounds like that's all it was. It was just a rumor in itself. So, before I give my picks for... The races this weekend. We have Xfinity tonight at Daytona, the Cup race tomorrow night, and then Sunday we have a truck series race at Gateway near St. Louis. So here it is, folks, my favorite moment of the show. Best moments for what used to be the July race at Daytona or the Firecracker 400. <laughs> 1974. The last lap of the race. David Pearson is leading, coming past the start finish line. He deliberately pulls over and gives the lead to Richard Petty. And, you know, all of the announcers, they're thinking, like, oh, what's wrong with David Pearson? He must have a problem or something. Well, sure enough, he hunted Richard Petty right back down. You know, the patented slingshot pass going down in a turn three, and he still went on to win the race. And 1983, Buddy Baker, the 19th and final win of his career, sure enough, driving that famed 21 Wood Brothers car. And of course, one of the biggest moments in NASCAR history, 4th of July, 1984, Ronald Reagan, the first sitting president to attend a NASCAR race, giving the command to start engines from Air Force One. And wouldn't you know it, the King Richard Petty scoring the 200th and final win of his career with Ronald Reagan in attendance. And it's like him and Bobby Allison, they still talk about it to this day. You know, Richard Petty talks about it. He said, nothing like winning your 200th race on July the 4th. That's right. July the 4th, as he said, on July the 4th. And <laughs> having lunch afterwards with the president, eating, <laughs> eating Kentucky fried chicken. 1985, one of the biggest upsets in NASCAR history. Bill Elliott dominating the race, as he did at a majority of the places in 1985. But Greg Sachs from Mattatuck, New York driving an R&D car for Dieguard race and going on to score what would be the only win of his NASCAR Cup Series career. And Bobby Allison, who was a teammate, he was so infuriated by it, he left the team and drove for himself the rest of the year. And Bobby Allison himself in 1987, sure enough the last true 4th of July race at Daytona, that was the first race with the restrictor plates after Bobby's car almost sailed into the catch fence at Talladega that May and Bobby went on to win. How crazy is that? 1990, Dale Earnhardt, he dominated the Daytona 500, had a a 40-second lead at one point in that Daytona 500, and as we all know, going into Turn 3, that last lap, running over a piece of bell housing, cutting the right rear tire down, and Derek Cope scooting on by to score his first win, and one of the biggest upsets in NASCAR history, wouldn't you know it, when they got back to Daytona in July, sure enough, Dale won that race, and even though he won 34 races at Daytona International Speedway, that was his first cup points paying win at daytona and he would go on to win that race again in 1993 the july race at daytona july 1994 Berwick, pennsylvania's jimmy spencer coming off of turn four side by side to the checkered flag with ernie irvin beating and banging the two of them and right at the very edge right right at the line jimmy spencer beating Ernie Irvin by inches for his first Winston Cup Series win. And you go back and you watch those last couple laps on ESPN. And Bob Jenkins and Benny Parsons, what a great combination those two were on ESPN. And Bob Jenkins, how he just yelled as soon as, as, soon as he took the checkered flag, Jimmy Spencer wins it. And I, I miss Benny Parsons and I miss the, the emotion that he always had every race that he was in the booth. And, you know, Benny Parsons, he was like, oh, baby, man, oh, man. That was a great moment. In 1997, John Andretti, who we lost back in January, scoring his first NASCAR Winston Cup Series victory, driving for Cale Yarborough. Believe it or not, that was Cale Yarborough's only win as a car owner in the NASCAR Cup Series. And, boy, did he hold off some heavy hitters for that first Cup win. Terry Labonte, Dale Jarrett, and Dale Earnhardt. Now, for 1998, the 4th of July at Daytona, that was supposed to be the first race at Daytona under the lights, but because of some wildfires in the Daytona area, the race was postponed to October 17th. Nevertheless, that was the first night race at Daytona, and sure enough, Jeff Gordon, the dominant season that he had in 1998, he went on to win the very first race, night race, at Daytona International Speedway. And in 2000, Jeff Burton winning the very last NASCAR Winston Cup Series race on CBS. But of course, undoubtedly the biggest moment, aside from Richard Petty's 200th win. Undoubtedly the biggest moment in the history of the July race at Daytona International Speedway. July 7th, 2001. Almost five months after losing his father... Turn four, the last lap of the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt Jr. returned to Daytona for the very first time. And he went there early in the week. And what, what a week it was to begin with. The Friday before that, he gave away his sister Kelly. He walked her down the aisle, a spot that was obviously reserved for his father. And he went down to Daytona a few days later with his friends, and they took a ride around the racetrack. And... Sure enough, they went to turn four, where the accident was. And Dale Jr., he went there, he made peace with it, and he realized, he said, he said that corner and that racetrack, that's going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And he realized right then and there, you know, he shared a lot of great moments at Daytona with his father. And he just wanted to focus on those. And sure enough, he was a man on a mission that Saturday night in Daytona starting 13th in that white and red Budweiser MLB all-star car leading 116 of 160 laps the crowd just going nuts all night long and sure enough he was bottled back in traffic with just a couple laps to go he restarted six with six laps to go it only took him two laps to get back to the lead and just the crowd going absolutely nuts And Michael Waltrip, his teammate, who ended up winning the Daytona 500 in February. Sure enough, Michael was the one that pushed him home to victory. And Alan Bestwick on NBC, that amazing and emotional call that he had as Dale Jr. came off of turn four for the checkered flag. And how Alan Bestwick said, it's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. using lessons learned from his father to go from sixth to first and score the victory in the Pepsi 400. And just the emotion out of Dale Jr., Michael Waltrip, the Budweiser crew, the Napa crew, even Chocolate Myers, guys on the GM Goodwrench crew that worked with Dale Jr.'s dad for such a long time. What an emotional moment that was. You know, and sure enough, Michael Waltrip, he won the July race at Daytona in 2002. Greg Biffle in 2003, his first Winston Cup win on fuel mileage. Jeff Gordon winning the Pepsi 400 and the Pepsi Chevrolet in 2004. Him and Jimmy Johnson sort of, you know, sort of ganging up on the dynamic DEI duo of Dale Hart Jr. and Michael Waltrip because they had dominated Daytona for the longest time. And in 2005, Tony Stewart at about 1 o'clock in the morning going four wide for the lead. <laughs> going on to win and climbing the fence for the first time in his career. And how Tony made the comment in victory lane, he said, I'm too damn fat to be climbing fences. <laughs> And then, sure enough, he won the July race again in 2006. And as we all know, Tony Stewart, he's always been a Coca-Cola guy. And he said, he's like, you know, they may call this Pepsi 400, but Coca-Cola still tastes a hell of a lot better. (laughs) And then, sure enough, the last Pepsi 400 in 2007, before Coke Zero got the naming rights, Tony Stewart and Denny Hamlin, the two teammates, being pissed off at each other after they wrecked each other out of of running 1-2. And Jamie McMurray, almost five years after his only win at that point, beating kyle bush by five one thousandths of a second his first win with roush and kyle bush and carl edwards you know trying to figure out who was the head of who the last lap in 2008 when the caution came out and they gave the win to kyle and kyle was very hated back then as you can imagine all of the beer cans that were <laughs> that were thrown and all the booze and The 4th of July race in 2009, when he tried tried cutting up in front of Tony Stewart, and Tony didn't lift, and he sent him right into the wall. And Tony went on to win the race, and sure enough, Kyle ended up missing the playoffs by just a handful of points two months later at Richmond. So you have that. David Reagan, the first win of his career in 2011. You have Eric Amarola, his first career win in the rain in 2014. The 30th anniversary of Richard Petty's 200th win. And then 2015, NASCAR, finally back on NBC after a nine-year hiatus. Dale Earnhardt Jr., my favorite Dale Earnhardt Jr. pain scheme of all time. A black, silver, red, white, and blue nationwide 88 car. Like, a, what else can you say? An Earnhardt at Daytona in a black car. And he dominated that race. Sure enough, he started first after qualifying was rained out and he was the fastest in practice he he led over half the race and he made some aggressive moves there at the end blocking his teammate jimmy johnson and that was all well and good you know he's coming off a turn four for the checkered flag he wins at daytona once again but next thing you know denny hamlin is sideways and you see austin dillon's car sailing right towards the catch fence and it, it's almost three o'clock in the morning at this point point. and I will never forget the Nationwide 88 crew running, running over to Austin Dillon's car just to make sure he was okay. And then just seconds later, he is out of that car and waving to the crowd. And somehow, someway, all Austin Dillon walked away with was a bruised tailbone. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then in 2016, Brad Keselowski scoring the 100th NASCAR Cup Series win for Team Penske the July race at Daytona and Brad, Brad should have way more wins at Daytona in the cup series. He is such a phenomenal restrictor plate racer. Obviously he learned from one of the best in Dale Earnhardt Jr. But it just seems like a lot of times things, stupid things out of his control always seem to happen to him at Daytona. Sure enough, the July race in 2017, he was dominating that race. And Kevin Harvick, he cuts a tire coming off a turn two and on the back straightaway, and he collected Brad and Dale Jr. in his very last Daytona race. You know, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the amazing pass that he made on David Reagan with just two laps to go to win, to score the second win of his career less than two months after his first at Talladega. And how Ricky got out out of the car and how he said in his interview, with it being Fourth of July weekend, he said... He said, 1776, we're the champs, baby. <laughs> and then in 2018, Brad had a great car in that race. He was leading him and William Byron. They were, you know, Brad was going for the lead, and William blocked him, and Ricky turned him into the wall, and then all hell broke loose. And that was when Brad made that comment. He said, I'm just not wrecking enough people. There's people that keep putting stupid blocks. And he said, they just need to look out because someone blocks me at Talladega. I'm going to wreck them. There was just wreck after wreck after wreck that night. I think there was only like maybe 15 cars left at the end of the night. And Eric Jones making a last lap pass to score the first win of his career. And as we all know, the July race at Daytona last year, you know, having to run it on a Sunday afternoon after Saturday night was rained out. And the race was dominated by guys like Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer but sure enough everyone knew that the rain was coming lightning was coming and going off into the corner Austin Dillon, Clint Boyer they get together, everybody piles in and it looked like Kurt Busch was going to win and there was some sort of miscommunication about when NASCAR was going to go back to green and the weather radar so sure enough Matt McCall brings him down pit road Justin Haley stays out next thing you know There's lightning in the area. They have to stop the race. They waited out for a little bit. They called it Justin Haley. His first career win. One of the biggest upsets in NASCAR history. Like I said, one of the most underfunded cars out there. How crazy was that? So like I said... Three races this weekend for all three of NASCAR's top three series. Tonight at Daytona, we have the Xfinity Series. We have the Cup Series tomorrow night. And then Sunday, a Truck Series race at Gateway International Raceway near St. Louis. So for tonight, for tonight's Xfinity race, I'm going to go with the guy that won there back in February, scoring the very first win of his career in the Xfinity Series. He just got a contract extension yesterday. That's right, the number nine of Noah Gregson and for Sundays truck series race at gateway the crazy thing is the defending winner of tonight's xfinity race at daytona is ross chastain the defending winner of sunday's truck race at gateway is ross chastain but he's not eligible to run in it because of the triple truck challenge that they have it's it's only only i was going to say there's only truck drivers that are allowed to compete in it And speaking of which, with the truck series, real quick, how awesome is this? Next Sunday at Darlington Raceway, 2 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, guess who is coming back and driving a Chevy Silverado for GMS Racing? Greg Biffle. How freaking cool is that? Greg Biffle, who came out of retirement last year, drove Kyle Busch's truck at Texas Motor Speedway in June, won the race, first time he had been in any NASCAR vehicle in almost three years, Greg is going to Darlington. He has two cup wins there, 2005-2006. He did win a Bush Series race there in, in March of 2004 as well. So sure enough, I don't like to give out picks that far in advance, a week in advance, but it is safe to say Greg Biffle in a GMS Chevy Silverado at Darlington Raceway. Yeah, that's definitely my pick for next Sunday. My pick for this Sunday's truck race. The Gateway, though, it's a GMS truck. Sure enough, it is the number 21 of Zane Smith, who won this past Friday at Dover International Speedway. That kid is on a roll. Two out of the last three. Unbelievable. So the time has come. Who am I picking for tomorrow night's Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway? And like I said, there are so many guys to pick from when it comes to Daytona and Talladega. Pretty much anyone can win. I'm not going to go with Kevin Harvick. I mean, Kevin, he won the 2007 Daytona 500. He won the 2010 July race there, but that was with Richard Childress Racing. For some reason, him and Rodney Childress, it seems like they always seem to get swept up in something at Daytona. Martin Trex Jr., like I said, same situation. Joey Logano, he did win the 2015 Daytona 500, but we all know how aggressive Joey is at these plate races and how he ends up usually causing something before it's all said and done brad Keslowski, like i said the win there in july of 2016 but like i said it always seems like he is in the wrong place at the wrong time with these restrictor plate races something always seems to happen out of his control i mean you got eric Almarolo, william byron jimmy johnson you got guys like that you got ryan blaney who's quickly become one of the best restrictor plate racers out there but the more i thought about it the guy that is undoubtedly the best restrictor plate driver out there right now and especially when it comes to daytona it's denny hamlin Denny has three Daytona 500s, 2016, 2019, and this year. There haven't been many guys that have ever swept the season at Daytona. Bobby Allison did it in 1982. Jimmy Johnson was the last guy to do it in 2013. And so with that being said, Denny Hamlin, he is my pick for tomorrow night's Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. I have a feeling that he could sweep the races at Daytona in 2020 anti-Kevin Harvick for the most regular season wins with seven. And like I said, we will know the 16 drivers that are in the playoffs. We will know who missed the cut. And episode 20 of Jake's Take, that will be available sometime next Friday. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a great day. Y'all take it easy.